Hi, friends. Welcome to God Stories. I am your host, Cassie, and I am so glad that you're here with me today. This is where I have on my friends, both new and old, to share their God stories. From the big, aha, miraculous, life-changing moments to the ordinary, everyday moments that are oftentimes the very extraordinary, life-changing ones. My hope is that you're encouraged. My hope is that you're sometimes challenged. My hope is that you feel welcome and enjoy today's episode. Hey friends, welcome to God Stories. Today I have on Clayton Jennings. Clayton and I met probably six or seven years ago, maybe six years ago out of Vine uh, Gala that you came to speak at. I had followed you on social media for a while and then introduced Gary and Allie to you and they invited you to come speak uh, at that gala. And then you came with us to Africa in 2017. Welcome Clayton. Thank you for having me, Cassie. I didn't know you were the one that introduced me to Gary and everybody. That's wild. Yeah. <laughs> we're the culprit. Yeah. yeah. Will you go ahead and introduce yourself to those that don't know you? Yeah. For everybody that doesn't know me, uh, my name is Clayton Jennings. Uh, I'm a poet, author, speaker. Uh, I have a heart just to preach the gospel, tell people about a relationship with Jesus, and then also an advocate for mental health, people uh, suffering in silence with depression and anxiety and things like that. So yeah. uh, but my whole heart is just to push people toward hope. Amen. You do that for sure. And um, I'm so excited to be hearing more of your story today, but will you just go ahead to jump right into it and just share a bit about your life and what got you to where you're at today? It's a crazy journey. So I'm 33 now, which I feel like is a defining year, you know, 33 final year of Christ's life and uh people said when you hit your 30s everything will change and and it has um for good and bad I've, I've experienced so much in the last couple of years uh but it's been a wild ride going all the way back to when I was a little kid I grew up in the church uh dad was a pastor grandpa was a pastor and evangelist um president of a Christian college and then great grandpa was a pastor as well so I grew up in the church world. Um, I knew all about God, but I didn't know God until I was 13. And uh, I remember my dad was preaching a sermon out of Hebrews, um, Christ being the anchor of our soul. And I, you know, like when the spirit of God moves, it, some, it's tangible almost, you know. And I remember feeling like this heat that came over me. And with that was this conviction of, I need Jesus. I know all about Jesus, but I don't know Jesus. And I remember my buddies in the pew, we used to always get in trouble together. They were like, what are you doing? Because I started crying. And I think I was the only one who went forward that day at the altar call, but I gave my heart to Christ and um, um, uh, grew up here. And I'm, I'm here right now in Indiana. Um, went to college, uh, studied communications in college, did some internships in DC with some political figures. I did a whole bunch of different things trying to figure out what my call was in life, but I already knew because when I gave my heart to Christ when I was 13, immediately I had this uh, overwhelming uh, desire to share the gospel with other people. And I always grew up, and Cassie, you know this, we talked about it, I, I always grew up watching Billy Graham. Mm -hmm. I mean, from when I was a little kid watching like on TBN, his crusades and things like that, I was always drawn to uh, Billy, but more than that, his message, just the simplicity of the gospel. And then seeing people from all around the world at his crusades, you know, 
walking those aisles and coming down those steps and giving their hearts to Christ. So I knew that was the call on my life. Um, and it had been affirmed by many people around me as well. But I didn't want it because growing up in the church, I saw all the backbiting. I saw the, the church politics. I saw my parents, you know, pour their whole lives into people and a small local church um, from, you know, midnight runs to the hospital to, to check on people. My mom always making meals and delivering them to people, like just serving, 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 only to have some of those very same people turn around and, and hurt them or badmouth them or just leave to go somewhere else, you know? Oh, I want to go to this church because it's got better music or this one's got better lighting. You know, we, we jump around so much here in, in the church culture in America. So I saw all that and, and I thought, I don't want anything to do with it. And, and not just that, but I also knew um, all the pain that comes in ministry. Um, I knew the attacks that come in ministry and I wanted more of a, I, I didn't want a simple life because that, that wouldn't be true if I told you that I had big grandiose goals, but I wanted to put God in my box rather than live and the call he created me to live in. And so after college, I was working for a, a news station at the time, and I had been getting different opportunities to, to speak at churches and things like that. I had written two novels at the time when I was in college, and then I had uh, written, directed, and acted in an um, uh, indie feature film, and I kind of just funded it out of my bank account, and then God brought all that back in. 1,200 people were there for the premiere. I think they were there more just to be like, no, let's support this kid rather than let's see a good movie, you know, which was cool. But um, that started this snowball that just, it kept going and kept going and, and, it, and it hasn't stopped all these years later. That was 2009 when I wrote my first book, 2012 for the film. So then when I graduated uh, from college, I was working at that TV station and uh, social media for me, especially Facebook at the time, it just started going viral. Um, you know, videos where I would either be doing poetry or, or speaking, sharing the gospel or um, skits that I was filming and doing things like that. And it just, it, it took off. It took, a life, it took on a life of its own. And I remember at the time, the news station that I was working for had the most engaged Facebook page in the state of Indiana, which it's, you know, it's the state of Indiana. So it's not the Mecca of America and population, but still it was like, oh, it's the biggest Facebook page. It's more engaged than the Colts or the Pacers or the other news stations. And, um, and I was one of the people helping. They, they did, they had me do a bunch of different stuff there at the news station, but I did a lot of editing as well. And I was editing a spot that was about them having the number one and most engaged Facebook page. But we had to stop running it because my page passed their page. So I'm like, you know, this young dude upstairs on the second floor editing videos. And then it's like, oh, wait, my page now has has surpassed where I'm working. And that was kind of an eye opener, like maybe it's time to step out of the boat and just fully jump in. And um, and so I did. I left there, started you know, traveling around the world, preaching the gospel. Uh, continue with the poetry and um that was 2013 into 2013 and now here we are in 2000 
21. And there's been a whole lot of ups and downs and all arounds throughout these years of ministry. And, and I kind of got thrown into things at an early age, you know, um, unexpectedly. No one really, I don't want to use the word blows up, but no one really um, seems to gain a platform when you come from a place like Indi uh, Indiana. Um, but it happened with me. And um, with that came all the offers, book deals and uh, opportunities to be in films and things like that. Offers from Hollywood. I think I got asked to be in like four or five different reality TV shows. And I said no to all those because I knew they would try to make me look like the crazy religious one. So I was like, nope, nope, nope. Um, but the one thing that I'm proud of, even though I've had times in the ministry where I've really, really struggled, struggled with pride, struggled with sin, struggled with my own failure, struggled with my mental health. Um, the one thing that I'm proud of is, uh, is the cross and the fact that the promise that I had made the Lord years ago when things began to take off. And I remember the prayer, I was laying flat on my face at my parents' house in my bedroom. And I just said, Lord, if, if it's really your call, on my life to preach the gospel, then send me. I'll go anywhere, speak in front of anyone, and I'll never water down the gospel. I'll never, um, I'll never do anything other than preach that simple uh, message that Billy Graham shared for all those years, which is Jesus saves. Mm -hmm. Come to Jesus, come to Jesus. He died and he rose again and he can change your life. And that's been the consistent message throughout my life. Um, but it's my hope that in the years to come, especially, it'll be the consistent message of my walk as well. Yeah. Because in ministry, and I don't want to ramble much longer, but in ministry, I think you can get to the place where uh, you talk about God more than you talk to God. Mm -hmm. And I got there. And, and I was speaking every other night in a different city here, there, and everywhere. And um, my personal walk with the Lord was slipping because of a lot of different things, but, but it's because I wasn't putting my first love as my first love and Lordship means Lord of everything. He wanted me. And I think the Lord had to bring me back to a place of, of, Hey, this is, this isn't about you or even my need for you to be out there. I'm, I'm just using you because I've called you and you were willing, but I want you. I love you. And that's changed everything for me is just falling back in love with Jesus and in the sense that he loves me. Mm. That feels good. Yeah. I've always appreciated that about you, that you will share the whole truth. You don't water it down. You don't try to make it something that it's not, but you really do just share the gospel, share Jesus. And I really appreciate that. Um, I know with a platform that big, the attack can be even greater from the enemy and I know you've experienced that. Um, will you talk a little bit about that and just about anxiety, depression, and how you combat it? Yeah, so the attacks come from every direction. Um, and it comes from people you don't know. And the internet has opened up a world to where anyone with a keyboard can say anything about anyone. And, um, and I've experienced that and slandered, been lied about flat out just the craziest stuff that I'm like wow I didn't know that about myself I just learned that <laughs> I didn't know um but then at the same time um when you're put in a spotlight um you're exposed 
for who you are over time. I mean, you're like who you are is, will come out. And so personal struggles that I had and, um, you know, struggles that was in my life um, were talked about and, and I, which was a strange time for me because um, it's one thing to just talk about somebody who has done something, but it's another thing to take it, twist it, uh, uh, exaggerate it, and bring do everything family. you can. Bring your family into it. Bring your family, mention, um, you know, loved ones that have nothing to do with, with those things and try to destroy the people around you. And, um, but like I said, since I grew up in the church, I'd already seen those things happen so many times, but now it's just on, it was on a much bigger scale. And uh, throughout my life, I, I've had struggles with depression, struggles with anxiety, going back to my childhood. And um, all, all that happens when these attacks come, whether it's from people trying to slander your name and destroy you, or whether it's from um, just the weight of ministry and the devil trying to wipe you out because you are sharing the actual gospel and you're not going out there saying, hey, I want to tell you three ways to feel great today and five ways to get rich off the Bible, but rather, Hey, it's heaven or it's hell and it's Jesus. I think that really makes you a target. And um, so due to all the, those different experiences and, and, and the things that I've seen traveling around the world um, and, and um, the people that I've seen struggling the people that are constantly pouring their pain out on you by don't reaching out and, all that together will just crush you if you don't have a firm foundation built. And it, it would just exasperate the depression and the anxiety. And um, it's, been, it's been a really, really rough road. And I think that the tipping point for me where I just kind of had a, had a breakdown in, way, in a way was uh, the end of 2018, I had done a national crusade where I've done 60 something cities across the nation and um, rented out theaters and things like that and just went and God brought the people because the gospel doesn't return void. He's the one that does it. And, uh, but at the end of that, I went to South Africa with my wife, Jamie. And at the time, Arabelle, uh, our little girl, and she was turning one. It was her, the day after her first birthday. And when we landed in South Africa, she went into DKA and we didn't know she had type one. And um, that night was- Wait, will you tell us what DKA is? Yeah, so DKA is when um, someone's blood sugar just shoots through the roof. She, her blood sugar was over 800. And to put that into perspective, it, uh, it would put an adult, a, a grown man or grown woman in a coma. Wow. And so- that night was was like the night from hell and we're in a foreign country we were in uh, uh south africa johannesburg and um the people there at the hospital i don't want to say everyone because there were two people that that did care but it was like uh you know her lung i remember one doctor just said her lungs are collapsing she's not going to make it and he walked out and jamie just collapsed and was crying and arabelle's chest was <sighs> And her eyes were rolled back in her head. And I remember I had to fight the taxi driver. I write about all this in my poetry, you know, like I, I, that for me is therapy and I get everything out. 
but even the taxi driver that took us from the hotel and you, we really weren't supposed to leave that compound because they say parts of that city aren't safe. But when we got in that taxi uh, cab to go to the hospital, he was trying to go the opposite way. And I don't know if it was because he was trying to run up the bill or what, but some strange stuff happened where he flicked his lights at another car who was that was parked there and it pulled out behind us. And I thought like, oh, this isn't, I've traveled enough to know something sketchy is going on. And I had to, you know, do what a dad does in that situation and, and kind of take control of that person and that car to get us to where we were going uh, to the hospital. But then once we got there, they wanted $1,200 before they would even look at her. And it's like, who carries around $1,200 when you're in a foreign country? And, you know, your credit cards, for the most part, that time of night, because it was middle of the night, a lot of times they shut them down because of fraud. Credit card wouldn't work. They did, And it was just, it, it was terrible. And, um, but there was a little nurse named Nellie. And, like, praise God for Nellie. And she came up to me and she whispered in my ear and she said, they'll let, they're, they're going to let her die unless you find a way to come up with the money. People die in these uh, waiting rooms all the time. And then I just had to, at that point, um, kind of ramp things up to the next level as well with letting people know this is, a, it's not going to happen here. Not my daughter. No. And, and um, by the grace of God, he did a miracle that night. And, um, and there were some really, really like, it, I don't know, it, talking about it is hard for me still because I relive it, but there were some dark moments in that night where it felt like the devil was just like right there. And it was the culmination in my mind of everything that I had been through over my whole life, really, but everything I had been through in those years of ministry and having people where they just don't even care if your child's dying. I couldn't believe it. And, um, but somehow, some way, um, there was a man there, a, an older man who he had already worked uh, like a double shift or something, and he was about to leave. And it was almost like, you know, when you drop your kid off at, at a daycare or something, they're holding on to your leg and don't want you to leave. I almost did that with him. Like, please don't, like, please help, please. And I remember him saying, uh, has anyone checked her blood sugar does diabetes run in your family and my dad has an autoimmune disease which diabetes is an autoimmune disease he has multiple sclerosis and there's some diabetes that runs on jamie's side of the family and it was just that that thing and a couple of other miracles that happened that that evening to where um, we were able to get the money and then get the help but i remember him when they hooked her up to everything and she was just, uh, you know, like a panting at that at that moment. It looked like she was she was about to slip away. I remember when he uh, he, he stepped outside of the room with me, and and I said, "Is she gonna make it?" And and uh, I remember he said, he was like, "Are you a man of God?" And um, I was like, "Ah, I like to think so, but." I, you really get challenged and know it's easy to pray and it's easy to talk about God and it's easy to be on stage. At least I, I've found to, and, and, and to be bold, right? It's easy when, when you're someone that you love so much, their life 
isn't on the line right there. It's like, that's when your faith really gets tested. So I said, I, you know, I like to think so. And he said, well, you, well, you need to pray because um, it'll be a miracle if she makes it through. And then if she does, uh, it'd be a miracle if she's okay, you know, because you have to, you have to trickle it down. You can't just run a bunch of insulin and um, you have to just trickle it down to, to a level. And so we didn't know if, if it would affect her organs or her brain. But there she was the next morning sitting up in my lap pointing at the nurses and things and back to herself and where but that was the beginning of a, a whole shift in life because ever since then it's been um constant management of, of uh lows and her blood sugar in the middle of the night with alarms going off or we'll have to treat her and multiple runs to the hospital and things like that um so I didn't know anything about diabetes before that night, but it's open and neither did Jamie really, but it's opened our eyes so much and it's given us a heart for other parents. And now they reach out to us a lot saying, Hey, we're going through this too. How are you getting through? We don't want to sleep at night. Cause you know, especially with a young one, she was one, they can slip really quick into a low and then you go into a coma and, and there's no coming out of that. And, um, so still to this day, it's difficult, but that was a, a change for me where uh, I just had a breakdown and, and it took me a long time, even to this day, to where all the weight that finally crushed at that moment, I've been able to get back to myself because then I turned angry and then I wanted to go at every single person who had ever come against my family. And then it all took was just me seeing one thing where someone had mentioned my daughter out of pocket and um and then i wanted to go go to war and that's not the heart of christ um but i wanted to go to war and i didn't care anymore about testimony to the side i want to wage war against these people because you know talk about me all you want lie about me that's fine god has the final word don't mention my don't mention my daughter especially after all we've been through so did that change your relationship with the lord yeah, drastically for, for the, for net, for in a negative way, to be honest with you. Um, I grew up Baptist. Um, I grew up Baptist, but then at some point the, the church took that off of, of the, of the name of the church. And uh, the, we got away from that denomination and it was just a non-denominational church that I grew up in. But growing up, I say that because I grew up, always being taught uh, people don't get healed or, or if they do, it's a miracle of God, but you know, the, the signs and the wonders and these things of laying hands on people and praying and praying in the spirit, like those days are over that they've left. And then, um, and then I grew up like that, but then traveling and speaking and meeting so many different people and seeing God do things that I really couldn't explain and I'd never seen growing up in, in the circles and the church circles I grew up in, seeing miracles and stuff like we saw when we were together, you and I, in, in Africa. And then meeting people, and it just started to make me really wonder, like, wait a minute, maybe we shelved the Holy Spirit a little too much. and maybe, maybe there's more to this. So I started searching and searching, and that search was all through 2017 and 18. But then that happened with Arabelle. And I remember being told that she was going to be healed. 
and a whole bunch of people prayed over her. And uh, after uh, she got out of the hospital there, but then she wasn't. And, you know, she got back stateside and, and almost lost her life again at a hospital here, one of the best hospitals, because it was a new nurse and she gave too much insulin and it just drove her into a deep, deep low. And people don't even know that. So then it made me really think like, okay, who is, who is Jesus? And what am I supposed to believe? The stuff I grew up hearing, the stuff that I've witnessed with my own eyes, but then you, the doubt creeps in and then you hear promises of healing and you see, and then it doesn't happen. She'll turn four next month. Two nights ago, we were up all night dealing with low blood sugar. So uh, it, it, it stirred up an, an anger in my heart. And that anger was because um, I was angry at people. I was angry at the church world in general for, um, for a lot of hurt that had come my way and people just trying to throw you under the bus rather than talk to you. And then that hurt, I started to project toward God saying, I don't even know who you are. I don't know what to believe. Everyone's so sure in their doctrine and theology, but I've seen all different sides and here I am left wondering. And that took me through a really, really dark time of 2019 into 2020 and especially the end of 2020. And, um, but I had to come to a place where it's one of those things I think you have to, I always say you have to come to the end of yourself to get to the beginning of God. And I started trying to find every single way I could to get away from God. And I wanted to even throw away this, the platforms he's given me, the ministry, I wanted to throw it all away. Um, because if it wasn't completely real in my life, and if I didn't have full faith and full belief, I just would feel like a hypocrite. And um, I didn't want it anymore. I was, I was angry. I was hurt. Um, but God's really done a work on my heart where he's softened my heart again. And he's changed, changing me. I don't say he's changed me. He's changing me. And that's such a beautiful thing. And, and, and there's been a brokenness that I haven't had before where I'm totally dependent on him and just thankful Arabelle's alive. And, um, and I would live in the regret of those times and those struggles. But if God forgives and forgets, then who am I to remind him of what he's already forgiven? He loves me today and I'm trying to grow to be more like him today. And that's one of the reasons in the last year, really, I've pulled way back on things just until recently. I've started back with stuff because uh, I needed to press into him more and more and more and, and foster that personal walk where I was talking to him more than about him and getting to know him again and and that's been healing for me yeah one of the things you talked about to me just before we started is the importance of community and how I mean we all need community but I think especially when you go through something hard like that or if you're facing depression or anxiety you need it you you can't be isolated right Right, right. Yeah. So yeah, I was just going to say, so you guys moved back to Indiana and that's kind of helped because you're in Florida for a little while and just being surrounded mm -hmm. by that community. Um, do you have anything that you want to say about that? Community is everything. And I didn't want it. Like I said, I wanted to get away from everything and everyone, 
Well, and really shame too, like shame. The enemy wants us to have shame and not oh, tell anybody yeah. our struggles. Definitely, definitely wants to shame you. He wants to guilt you. And um, and he wants you also, I think, to get angry about things that aren't true, to feel false shame about things that aren't even true. And so I was experiencing it from every angle. And then, uh, you know, the move to Florida, I wanted to isolate and I wanted to just get away completely from the town I grew up in and uh, go down there and just launch whatever the Lord had at the time. And I didn't really know just by myself, you know, just with family. But when we bought that home in Florida, it was before Arabella was diagnosed with type one. So before we went to South Africa at the end of 2018. So then it was Jamie and I dealing with Arabella with this, you know, disease that we were first timers trying to figure it out together, being away together, me struggling immensely with my mental health and um, off one med on another med and here, there and everywhere. And and, and now I, I, I think of it like this. I think the devil tries to isolate us, to annihilate us. And I experienced it tenfold down there. And uh, so we're living back in Indiana now. And it's been, it was, I say it's been good. I'll be honest with you. I, d- I don't want to live in Indiana. I love Indiana, but there's a lot of, there's a lot of bad memories that come with certain parts of Indiana as well. And there's a lot of people that, um, you know, I've seen either saying things, you know, online writing about me or whatever, or who I grew up watching turn their backs on my parents when I was younger. So it's like, ah, well, here I am back here. But then at the end of the day, it's like, you know what, but I have flaws too. I'm a sinner too. Who am I to judge any of these people? Um, I need grace and I need Jesus myself. And I had to put what was best for family and and our walk with the Lord and our growth together first. So now being around community, having uh, family, having um, solid friends that I grew up with and that I've known for a long time, be around that that's that's been great and and it's helped a lot. Yeah, it's so good, so good. Um, so I'm just thinking about like anxiety, depression, all of that, it can be situational too. It can be something that somebody experiences all the time, or it can be situational. You can have a, you know, some experience happen. You can even, I feel like walk into a country or whatever. I had a couple that I interviewed last week that run a sex trafficking organization in Cambodia. And she said, right when they landed in Cambodia, she could feel like the oppression on her. Um, Is that something you feel like that you can just like that you can pray away or what do you, is there any encouragement that you can offer for somebody that is facing that um, or anything like that? Yeah, definitely. And um, yeah, cause earlier you asked me, how do, how do you fight those things? I didn't answer it. So to fight those things and I'm, I'm trying to still figure out how to fight those things. Cause I, growing up, I was told things like, oh, pray it away. Or if you have anxiety, it's cause you're living in sin or, you know, things like that. And that's not true. <laughs> It's not true at all. I mean, there might be times where someone feels anxious because of the sin in their life, but these are actual things that, you know, if someone had a heart disease, we would say, oh no, let's pray for the heart. Well, the brain is an organ, but we act like, you know, it isn't. And that if you're struggling, it's because something that you did or it's something that's so quickly fixed. There are things that you should not say to people, by the way. 
Right. Exactly. Or yeah, keep it, keep it all to yourself. And then, so what you suffer in silence, then what's the point of community? And what's the point of having a brothers and sisters to lean on if you can't be open. And I tried to break that stigma years ago. The first video that I ever put on YouTube, 2012, maybe is when I first launched that channel, uh, was a young kid who he was bullied and bullied and bullied to the point where he attempted to take his life only to then be rescued by someone who said you're worth everything even though you're being called worthless and it was christ and i remember a pastor then was like you can't put that out and you shouldn't do these things you can't talk about mental health and it's like man that's such a, a lie from the enemy and it keeps people trapped and it keeps people caged and it keeps them feeling shame for something they shouldn't feel ashamed of yeah and there's 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 healing and openness. You could say, Hey, I, I'm struggling. And the first pastor that ever told me he was str- uh, struggling with depression, it, it rocked me. Cause I thought him, wow. Then I'm, I'm not the only one. It yeah. made me feel better. Just that knowing I wasn't the only one. So I've tried throughout the years throughout, you know, the speaking, but especially the poetry, please don't kill yourself to your anxiety. Um, all of those uh, pieces to, to try to reach out to, to hurting people. The way that I found to fight it is, is community but the right community you gotta you gotta know who's in your camp to take and then who's there to give and people that have the right heart intention people who are walking with the lord people who care about you for you rather than a title or a position or followers or whatever it may be they're not there to see what they can get from you but they're they're there to see how they can help sharpen you so i've cut out a lot of people in my life and and brought in a tighter circle uh, and a good community that's helped me so I said community helps of course it was people say that's cliche but it's not because the word there's the renewing of the mind when you're in the words so being in the word every day and spending that time with the Lord being in prayer listening to worship music is something that helps me just putting on worship music and worshiping I say you know uh, worship your worry away mm. worship helps um and it's not bad to see a therapist you know that's not a bad thing to see a therapist also the right therapist (laughs) and also the right therapist yeah exactly (laughs) exactly that's that's the truth it's not bad to do that and um you know there's a stigma against medication as well there is no stigma when someone takes you know medication for a bad back but if they're taking medication because they have a a disorder or a condition mentally or they're struggling with depression or anxiety then all of a sudden it's like whoa well listen like you have a doctor that you trust and and you've done the research some people need medication and um so these things but it's the right medication because i've been put on medication in the past that, that, that wiped me out and wrecked me and it was like that was the worst thing i could have yeah. been put on but it's just learning these things and it's a process and i'm so thankful for family um who stuck with me and and helped me get my feet back underneath me um to get where I am today but it's an everyday choice to not let the depression win to not let the anxiety cripple you Mm -hmm. it's an everyday choice but scripture says I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength Mm -hmm. so at the end of the day it it always comes back to him having that personal relationship with him Yeah, it can be very crippling. I've heard stories um, of women, even the women that were husbands were pastors that died by suicide and have said that he just really had a tough day. Like it was just a really bad day. And I've heard before 
almost to tell yourself, like, it's just a bad day, like make it till tomorrow, make it to tomorrow. Cause sometimes it can just be a really hard day and it can be very crippling, but you're right. There is hope with Jesus and he can free us. How do you reconcile kind of going back a minute ago to what you're talking about? How do you reconcile now that the Lord has not on this side of heaven yet completely healed Arabelle or your dad? Like what, how do you, in your mind, reconcile that? and not be mad at God all the time. Yeah, I mean, first, how can I be mad at God when I have a dad and I have a daughter and so many people don't have either, you know? And uh, how can I be mad at God when I know I'm just passing through this life, this isn't my home and it's not their home either. And there's a home in heaven that, that's awaiting us. That for me, I just keep coming back to those things to where it's, like you said, you know, sometimes, you know, you think it's a bad day, it's a bad day, but tomorrow will be better. So if it's, if I get caught in those thoughts, I just remind myself life is fleeting. It's here and then it's gone, but eternity is forever. And we have the hope of better things to come. We have a hope of a place where there is no pain, where there is no MS, there, are, there isn't diabetes, there isn't depression, isn't anxiety, there, there, there are no more tears, uh, a home with Christ. So I try to just keep this uh, focus on things to come eyes on the prize. And, and instead of just getting lost in that sadness or those questions, and, and I'm still working through, through those questions. I'm still working through it because it's, it's funny. You say, if you say one side, yeah, the, the Lord does miracles and he heals and we can pray these things. And, 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 uh, we're, we're, we're change agents and, and the gifts haven't ceased. You'll have an entire side of the church who will, call you the devil and they will you're a false teacher and they'll just try to destroy you and slay you based off of their belief but then if you jump on this side and you say it's all ceased then they'll say you are not spiritual you have no depth you have no understanding you haven't experienced enough so it leaves you somewhere in the middle and i guess where i'm at is i believe that god can do whatever he wants whenever he wants and I've seen miracles. I've seen things take place that I cannot explain. I know there's power in prayer. And I'm still believing and holding on the hope that Arabelle will be healed, that my dad will be healed. And I'm still every day praying that and believing that. And, uh, and I'm not going to stop. And I don't, I'm not going to stop because somebody tells me it's not going to happen. If you're not God, then I'm not going to listen. Yeah. So good. Thank you for sharing your story. I really appreciate it. Yes, it's good to see you again. Uh, where can people find your poetry? Um, listen, YouTube, any any streaming platform, Spotify, Apple Music, all that. But the hub is ClaytonJennings.com. And then that connects to all the social media and everything. Yeah, so good. Is there anything else you want to share before I ask my last fun question? No. I, well, maybe this. And I know I've talked a lot. But, you know, what I saw when I say I've seen things take place, I can't explain. You're one, you're one of those memories I hold on to in my mind. What happened in Africa and that gentleman who told you this is going to come to fruition in your life when you heard, no, it's not. And here you are now and you have two beautiful children. And I remember when that word was spoken to you by him after he had that dream and I remember you were in tears, but it was like tears of joy and you had full belief and full faith 
Yeah. I hold on to things like that. I hold on to, to uh, you know, people like you, people like Gary um, Meacham, people who've, who've run the race faithfully and God's done miracles in their life and through their life. So I just want to say thank you to you, Cassie, because I think back on that often and, and it gives me faith as I move forward. That's awesome. Yeah. The Lord really used that not only to give me, um, to give me peace, but to help others. And then when I was pregnant too, to keep fear away, cause he knew I'd have fear based on the past to help me. And I don't know right. if you remember this, but you baptized me shortly after I got that word from the Lord. Do you remember? I remember. <laughs> yeah. The Nile yeah. river. Yeah. And I wasn't planning on getting baptized, but I just remember feeling like the Lord was taking me to another level and that I needed to. So that was awesome. I still have your picture, you and Gary and me in the water in my house. Do you really? That's awesome. It's all three of us. Yeah. I'm glad we didn't get eaten by an alligator while we were in. (laughs) Yeah, no kidding. Well, thank you, Clayton. So the last fun question I ask all of my guests is if you could sit down with someone from the past or present and hear their God stories, who would it be and why? Billy Graham, 100%. Yeah, I figured. (laughs) Billy, yeah. And and I had, I was so close to having the opportunity to sitting down with him um, about a year before he passed away, but then it fell through. But I look forward to to talking to him and, and glory someday and just hearing his stories of, of revivals of, across the country and around the world and uh, how he used a simple farm boy just to preach the word. And I love Billy. So good. Have you met his kids before? I haven't. Um, I had a conversation one time with Franklin Graham, but didn't meet in person. And then uh, Maury Scobie, who was... Billy's right-hand man for years and years and years. Uh, he's come to two different uh, revivals that I spoke at and, and we've spent some good time together. And, and I, I don't ever want to like come across. And, and then I toured the Billy Graham library and Maury That's took me cool. through that a few different times. But I, I feel like sometimes I come across almost like a fanboy or something. Cause I'll be <laughs> like, tell me this about Billy and tell me this about Billy. And what did he do this and this and that? But um, yeah, I just, I'm a really big big fan of Billy and, and, and he lived it until the end. He walked faithfully until the end. And uh, I hope to, to do the same in, in my personal life. Just Jesus till I die. Yeah, you will. Amen. Thanks Clayton. Thank you, Cassie. It's awesome. Love you. Thank you for having me. Friends, thank you for listening today. If you enjoyed the episode, I would love if you could share it with a friend. If you could give a rating and review on Apple or wherever you listen to your podcast, that would be amazing. That way, when other friends come across it, they know to listen too. You can stay connected with me on Instagram at God Stories with Cassie. Love you guys so much. Have a great day.